This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. Don't make me think about Kurosawa when I'm watching your films. And Willis. If you put a, a Snyder fan and a Swifty in a room together, that's some passion. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. Hey there, dear listener. Uh, it is time for our 111th episode. Um, yes. Weirdly satisfying. Yeah, it uh, is. We're going to talk about a few things today. Um, the first, as we have been so often, we're going to talk about Barbie. Um, yeah. As it continues to break records and I won't say maybe change the game, but maybe a little bit of change the game. Definitely. Um, after that, we're going to check in on something that we've talked about a little bit before, but um, things are still shuffling around due to the strikes and studios instead of settling the strikes are rearranging their entire uh, release calendars to uh, try and accommodate. So we're going to look at that and see what's going on. Um, We are going to talk about rebel moon, uh, Zack Snyder's new space opus uh, that had its first trailer drop. Yep. Yep. And uh, (laughs) we're going to wrap it up with talking about uh, the, Disney VFX team who voted today, I believe, to unionize. Yeah. Um, and what that could mean for Disney and uh, for the industry. So, yes, lots to get to. Josh, why don't you take us through our weekly releases first, though? Yes, I will do that. Uh, not a whole lot coming out this week. Uh, we do have for theaters the Equalizer 3. I'm going to be real. I haven't seen the first two. I think this is Antoine Fuqua, or at least he did the first one. My brain, like, writes these off as, like, nothing kind of movies, but, like, like Expendables kind of movies. Right. But I don't think maybe they are. He's the guy who did Training Day. Like, I don't, you know. (laughs) With Denzel Washington. Exactly. And I know that people enjoy these movies. I mean, there's been three of them, so who knows? I'm going to have to watch the first two and then check out Equalizer 3 at some point. But that's hitting theaters on September 1st um, for shows, for streaming. Equalizer 3, uh, directed by Anton Fuqua. And he did all three of them. That is freaking wild. Holy crap. Good for good for him, I guess. Um, better than the guilty that he did with Hall. Anyway, yeah. streaming. We have Archer coming back for season 14. Uh, final August season. 30th. Yes, final season. FX and Hulu. I believe Hulu, it drops a day later. Uh, we have the One Piece adaptation coming to Netflix, which is the live action One Piece from the anime uh, coming yeah. to Netflix on the 31st. I, which I'm hearing good things about. Me too. And people I've talked to who are fans of One Piece, the anime, are like, this looks pretty good. So I, yeah. who knows? I did say the same thing about Cowboy Bebop, though. I know. So we'll have to wait. Netflix has a bad track record with adaptations. Yeah. Um, we have Power Book 4, Force, Season 2, coming to uh, stars September 1st. We have The Wheel of Time coming back for a new season on Prime September 1st. I might need to watch that show. People are saying it is absolutely phenomenal fantasy. Um, I think Wheel of Time is like one of the longest fantasy books like yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I guess I, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious about it too, but I worry I would like watch it and then want to read it and then that's all i would be reading for the next 15 years for the next 15 years yeah exactly that's true that's true um but hey who knows 
Uh, we have Disenchantment coming back to Netflix on uh, September 1st for season five. Also so, the final season, I think. I believe so, which is, I, yeah. that's the groaning. It's Matt Groening's back, yeah, yeah. back doing Futurama again. So. <laughs> exactly. So you can't mess around with Netflix on this one. Uh, and then we have another Love is Blind offshoot after the altar season four coming to netflix september 1st they're cranking those out man i don't love is blind i feel like every week there's a new love is blind uh show i, w- I wonder how many are simultaneously filming oh dude like it's four just, probably just like, yep yeah here we go easy and that's all that yeah. can be really filmed right now because of the strikes yep. so um but yeah that's what's uh releasing this week so uh without further ado let's go and talk some more about barbie <laughs> <laughs> so so Barbie is still going strong. Um yeah, I don't know I've... I don't know what else really to bring up but it's like this movie is in its domestic week it's in its 6th weekend. Yes. This past weekend was its 6th weekend. Yes. Yes. Um and it still took in 17 million dollars, you know. Yep. Lost to Gran Turismo for uh first place by I think 200 grand. Which is just insane. marginal. It's um, like, you yeah, know, <laughs> 200 grand. It beat out a movie that's in its sixth week. Right. It's like, yeah. wow, fantastic. Um, yeah. Or more to I point, think... only made 200 grand more than yes. a movie that's been out for six weeks. <laughs> for six weeks. We said this last week, or I think every time we've been talking about Barbie, that we're speculating that Barbie is the movie of the year. Mm-hmm. It is no doubt now that Barbie is the movie of the year. And honestly, I was having conversations with people over the weekend about how movies don't really hit culture like they used to. And by used to, I mean like before I was even born, like we don't have Jurassic parks or jaws or, you know, star Wars. We don't have those movies that every single person goes to see. And it's funny because I was talking to my mom about this and she's like, besides Barbie jokingly, but I was like, honest to God, I think Barbie is the closest thing we've gotten to something like that, like Raiders of the Lost Ark since you know, the 80s, which is insane, but it's also really, really cool that yeah. this type of thing can still happen, you know, in 2020. And I think we come close every now and then, you know, I think every now and then there are things that enter like the pop culture sure. zeitgeist, you know, mm-hmm. and like are a big conversation. I think of like Stranger Things and sure. um, Game of Thrones and things like that. But even those are, well, I guess Stranger Things is still active, but like, yeah, you know, it's been a little while um, and the last season wasn't nearly as impactful, but like. This really is, is like everyone has an opinion on it. All of it is become like pop culture referenced, you know? Yeah, immediately. Um, <laughs> and I think the really interesting thing to, to look at is the fact that nobody's talking about Oppenheimer anymore. I know. You know what I mean? Like the whole Barbenheimer thing has kind of just fallen off. It's just Barbie now. And we just have Barbie now, um, which is wild. It is wild. Um, and I. Uh, and I do want to shout out um, that. Barbie has now passed Super Mario Bros. as the highest grossing film of the year domestically and is now Good. currently sitting as Warner Brothers' highest grossing movie of all time, which is crazy if you know Warner Brothers' slate. I mean, it's own like they're, a lot of their movies in the past 20 years are huge IP yeah. monsters like Harry Potter, like Aquaman, you know, like Joker, like The Dark Knight Rises. Um, and this movie being the one to kind of break through the mold and and make it over something like the final Harry Potter movie yeah, is really, really something special. Um, and it's just I, totally I shocking. will say, I think you could argue that Harry Potter was like that level of kind of pop True. culture impact, but like a hundred percent. 
Yeah. You know, that was what, 2010, nine? Yeah. 10? I mean, a uh, long time ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess I'll just shout out some more statistics here. I mean, to date, it's just, it has made just under um, $600 million domestically, is 594, and has racked up $1.34 billion worldwide, which just barely puts it under Super Mario Bros. with $1.36 billion, and no doubt will surpass that in the next couple yeah. of weeks. And, it's it's just like it's one of those things that like is so surprising but the fact that it's also a movie and like putting this you know I, there are some Harry Potter movies that aren't so great you know and so yeah. I put this in a in a lane of movies like those classics where this is a classic you said this when you Absolutely. saw it you're like this is a classic and I don't know that there are many movies apart from like what Inglorious Bastards that you could say is a stone cold classic Absolutely. from the last yeah. 20 years I mean, you look even like Oppenheimer there, like, yeah, you know, argue, which I still haven't seen, but like arguably like <laughs> top tier filmmaking, top tier, like all that kind of stuff. But like dense, Very you know dense. what I mean? Like is not easy to talk about. It's not like accessible for a lot of people. And Barbie 100 percent right. is, you know, like everybody's seen Barbie. Right. There are people that like Barbie has changed their life. You know, yes. maybe they're like, you know, 10 year olds or something at this but point, still. but like you know, this is a, a defining text for a lot of people out there. And like, you know, I just kind of said that off the cuff, but I kind of feel like that's the, uh, the bellwether for like a classic movie is like, is this like a core memory for, for people out there, which, you know, I had to explore that more cause that doesn't quite work because like bad movies can be that too. But anyway, yeah, but anyway. it's the, it's the special merging of both where it can be your core memory, yeah. but it can also be a cultural significant thing. It can also be something that is critically well received, like something like star Wars where you're just like, yeah. when you see it, when you're 10, it's great. When you see it, when you're 40, it's still great. Or Jurassic you know? park that you brought up. Yeah. Jurassic like. park. Yeah. And the other thing is Barbie was supposed to, and I, I think is still technically supposed to hit VOD yeah. on week. September 5th. <laughs> Yeah, which is uh, yeah next week, mere days yeah, it'll from be, when you it'll be in your new releases uh, <laughs> next week. Exactly, um, supposedly. Yeah, they so haven't like, pulled the plug on that yet, but I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, like everything I've looked and seen is like yeah, like September fifth. Mm -hmm. But like Barbie is number two in the box office right now. Yeah, like why? I mean, maybe there's contractual stuff going on that's like important or whatever. Sure. Um, but like, why not push that? You know what I mean? We talk so much about like the 90 day window and all that kind of stuff. Is that yeah. what it is? That's right. Six weeks, right? No, that this wouldn't no, be less days. than 90 days. This would be 45. Yeah. 45 90 day days window. is three months. Six weeks is a month and a half. Yeah. Right. Right. So it'd be well, more I mean, like 60, but here's the thing. Yeah. It's Warner Brothers and Max. Like right, exactly. It's the, it's the 45 day window. Um, yeah just so happens that it's doing gangbusters and none of their other movies have yeah it's one of those weird things it's like so you're really just like a hundred percent sticking to this yeah like i mean barbie did 17 million this past weekend mm -hmm. it could make 10 next weekend easily you know it could make 15 next weekend you know it's yeah. it's weekends are progressively going down it went from 162 to 93 to 53 to 33 to 21 to 17 but it's you such know. a marginal decrease yeah like, from what it normally drops off like 80 percent for most movies yeah so like i think this has got like another three four weeks that it could kick around and make money easily um but less so if it's just on home video yes now i will say 
with the slate of movies that are supposed to release in the next three weeks, mm-hmm. I think that Barbie will be number one in the box office like this weekend. I don't think Gran Turismo is going to make more than Barbie it's this have weekend. A second, uh... Yeah, I think it's going to have another resurgence because, again, like Equalizer 3, I don't think that it's going to make more than Barbie will. It's just, not, yeah. you know. And I guess the other thing was we talked a little bit about this before the pod, but Barbie is one of those movies that is an actual event to go out and mm-hmm. see and people are making it an event. So that's the only reason why I'm kind of like, you know, let it hit VOD. The people who haven't seen it and we're never going to see it, maybe they'll hit play on it and, and check it out. And I still think the people who want it, like even when it hits VOD, it's coming to IMAX in September. I'm going mm-hmm. to see Barbie in IMAX. There's no shot that I'm not. So I'm like, yeah. imagine when that hits, dude, people that weekend's going to be insane. You know? Yeah. So. Now, here's a question. Do you think if they release it on VOD or on Max, it's damaging or do you think people are just going to watch it again and again? Like, <sighs> do you think it's going to deter the people who were going to see Barbie again from mm-hmm. seeing Barbie again in a the theater? It might, but... I had such a good time both times I saw Barbie in a theater, and yeah. I think a lot of other people had that experience that it, you're not really going to see the movie again. You're going to be with a, a sold-out crowd, all yeah. wearing pink, all laughing at the jokes. Like That's what it really is, because Barbie's great, and I'll probably buy it on Blu-ray when it hits, but yeah. it was really that collective, we're here, we're, we're doing something, and we all love yes. this. Like, yep. that's, the, that's the magic of movie theaters. Like That's what it's yeah. about. <laughs> So, yeah. And that's, I think that's part of what it is, what the Barbie enigma is, is that like it won't play as well on on a smaller screen. Right. Neither will Oppenheimer. I still think it will play great. um, Yeah. But yeah. Like you said, it's a classic. It literally is like right out the gate. So I am, uh, I am rooting for Oppenheimer to cross 300 million domestically. I think it will. And I honestly think it could end its run just under a billion dollars. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I just. I don't think trucking. it's got this. So worldwide, it's at 777 million. Yeah. I don't think it's got another. Uh, yeah, 300. Yeah, you know, 300 million in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, God. But. Uh, all right. So. In in terms of talking about movies that are uh, coming out in the next couple of weeks that could rival barbie but also not really um anyway uh there have been <laughs> warner bros bunch, warner bros yeah there we go that's a much smoother that's one step instead of four um warner brothers in its never-ending battle to like confuse us shoot itself in the foot confuse yeah. us make podcasts like ours report on changing timelines yep um they have delayed dune 2 Poor Denis, man. I can't even. Poor Denis. Uh, delayed it into 2024. So Dune has been pushed back to March of 2024, which. Yeah. March 15th of 2024. Uh, yes, from which November. Was when Godzilla versus Kong, the new empire, was supposed to come out. Right. Uh, and we will put a pin on there's a Godzilla versus Kong movie coming out in like six months that I've I heard haven't nothing. heard anything about. I think uh, Adam Wingard is attached still. I don't yeah. Know. So that's been moved to April 12th. And April 12th uh, used to have, 
used to be the release date for an animated Lord of the Rings film that Warner Brothers was doing. Uh, and that has been now moved to December. Uh, so Dune, Godzilla, and Lord of the Rings all on the move. Um, yep. Because of the strikes, I suppose, we're saying. Um, yeah, because yeah, because the studios still won't try yeah. and budge on anything. I will say I, it's humorous is not the word, but it's worth noting that like Dune Part One was delayed, and so was Godzilla versus Kong. Yes, yes, <laughs> you know the original yes. one. They can't uh, get out from under themselves. <laughs> I, yeah, it's just like I don't know. Both of those were uh, part of the streaming directly. Uh, yes. on day of release due to COVID. Um, Man, situation. Adam Wingard and Denis Villeneuve have just had nothing but shit luck in the last I like, mean, five they got to get away from these franchises, I guess. Like, <laughs> They yeah. need to get away from Warner Brothers, what they need to do. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this stuff's on the move. Um, we are taking Dune out of the conversation for uh, the Oscars next year. Yep. yep. Um which I guess I get. Of course, yeah. I Although mean, it, maybe I mean, well, well what so this basically with the says, yeah, this basically says like profits for Dune are a bigger priority than awards. Right. Right. Yes. Because Dune one did not get anything at the last yeah. Academy Awards. So, though it it does seem that other things are not moving, right? Um, and that seems to be. The idea there seems to be that they are like aiming for an awards thing. Most notably, I think Wonka is staying in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the color purple is staying in 2023. And I believe Aquaman 2, which I think they shot, <laughs> is is still is still coming out at the end of this uh, year's. Well. I feel like Aquaman 2, they're just like dump it. Like it's just gotta go. We're not like, what are you gonna do? Just put that yeah. fucking movie out. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, yeah. It's it's it, it's unfortunate because, again, like we've talked about, like all of this stuff could kind of be wrapped up pretty quickly if the if the uh, not the unions, but if the studios just sat down and tried to make peace yeah. with the unions here. Um, and it is also interesting to mention, and I mentioned this to you earlier, that there are some small movies that are moving and some that are not. And I think an interesting kind of case study for this is the fact that both challengers, which is the new Luca film and mm -hmm. Dune are both moving. Both have massive stars in them. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically Zendaya, who has a massive presence on both Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Yeah. And we talked about this when we talked about marketing and the fact that that is built in audience and not being able to promote anything means yeah. that you won't get, you know, a 16th of the amount of, of coverage or, or, yeah. um, you know, so. And Zendaya it, is the selling point of challengers. Like a hundred, say what you will about like Luca Godino, but like, yeah, it's the news. Zendaya yeah. It's the news and movie. And it's yeah. like a weird thriller uh, where she's a tennis star. Like, you know, it's yeah, exactly. It's a weird and then, sell if you don't say Zendaya. Oh, a hundred percent. And with Dune, I mean, it's her and Chalamet, and you know, I think forty-five uh, other A-listers. Yeah, forty-five other like A-listers that yeah. have followings, and it's so it, it's it's another greed pick. It's like people were gonna go see Dune too, regardless, you know. And if you just again, like I said before, if you just pay your workers, <laughs> yeah. you can you can have Dune too, guys. Like I just don't understand it, so. Um, yeah, this is this isn't COVID. This is yeah. like a perfectly preventable uh, 
is greed situation you found yourself in. Yeah, um, I wonder. I wonder if anything else is going to be delayed from here to the end of the year if the strikes just continue to like September, October. You know, I mean, so it's interesting because we're talking about Warner Brothers. Um, yeah, slate, but there are plenty of other studios out there. Um, yeah. Have we heard anything about Craven? Is Craven moving? I know that's the Sony big one that's coming. I think that's going to have to um, move. I don't see it coming out this year. I wonder how aligned all of the studios are mm. on this kind of stuff, you know, because we hear all of this stuff about Disney, like being, you know, I won't say like anti-union, but certainly not but pro-union. Totally. Um, you know, there's all this issue with Disney and like we're hearing all of this stuff from Netflix and whatnot, but like those aren't the only two studios involved right. here. So I wonder like right. if that'll be where the, the armor cracks and like, you know, just yeah. the smaller ones that are going to take a bigger hit by not being able to release Craven the Hunter. Right. Exactly. I mean, poor almost Sony. got through saying that without laughing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like it, it's, it's going to keep moving. Um, I think, you know, everything's going to kind of be, up in the air mm-hmm. for until this is all settled. Um, right. Right. But yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. You know, what's weird. A question that I was just thinking about and mostly Craven it's the Hunter I'm, was pushed. Craven the Hunter is next year to August 24. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and they'll give him some more time to work on the film. Uh, yeah. I think Sony's, Sony's bailed on pretty much everything. It looks like um, their Karate Kid remake, which apparently is a thing, didn't know uh, it was coming. Is like end of twenty four. Good um, lord! I mean, we've said Spider Verse is off the the docket. That's gonna be twenty five or twenty six, probably twenty six. Yeah, which is um, nuts. Um, but I don't think there's anything else crazy. Well, I wonder. And I'm just thinking about this looking at our next topic here. This stuff doesn't seem to be affecting the streaming stuff quite as much because I want to I want to call out one other one. Poor yeah, things yeah, yeah. has been moved to next year. No, poor things has just been moved to December. Sorry. Oh, but still it got moved. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. How is this affecting streamers releasing things? Because it doesn't seem like companies like Netflix are really having any problem releasing movies as usual. Yeah. And most of it's because they don't market a lot of it anyway. Like there's so many things drop. Like this is a Gal Gadot movie that came out that like I didn't hear anything about. And then it was there and I'm like, I don't, yeah. you know, I heard it was pretty bad, but, but movies like the one that we're going to talk about right <laughs> now, which is Zack Snyder's rebel moon like that's not going to be bumped at all. There's there's no shot. Like it's just going to drop and if you like it you don't. And I wonder if that's just because there's such a longer there's so much of a longer lifespan cuz it's just there and it's just like, well, regardless yeah. of if it gets plays on the first day or not, whatever, it's still here. People will watch it. They're not going yeah. to the theaters, so, you know. Well, and Rebel Moon's an interesting case because it is Zack Snyder and Zack Snyder has probably the most rabid fan base in the industry. It is insane. You know, yeah. um, maybe Taylor Swift has more insane fans, but, uh, yeah. you know, Jesus. if you put a, a Snyder fan and a Swifty in a room together, that's some passion. Uh, yeah. 
So it's weird because Rebel Moon's going to drop. I mean, we've talked so much about how Netflix like doesn't market its stuff. It's just like, yep, there it goes. Here it is. Have fun. Which is like kind of weird because it just becomes a like not that big of a deal if they can't produce new content. Right, exactly. Or if they can't market their content. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It, like that's the kind of thing that you know, we were just saying is like, I don't know if all of the studios are going to be on the same page with this. Like Netflix could probably give a fuck. Right. Apple, you know, well, Apple's, Apple di- probably... Apple's different. Apple is also different. Yeah. Cause those goes going to buy Disney. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> exactly. Um, then, the... <laughs> then it's Tim Cook. Yeah. I mean, Apple and like Paramount, I mean, Paramount's going to have a whole mm-hmm. different ball game there. Um, yep. And you know, I mean, and like we said, like Sony and Universal. all the small ones too, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um but Rebel Moon. Let's talk about Rebel Moon. First trailer. First trailer. Let's um, go. And a poster a couple weeks ago too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know where do, where do like do we need to do a quick recap on where we stand uh with Zack Snyder? <laughs> we can <laughs> cuz I think me and you have slightly different I yeah. have way more time for his shenanigans than a lot of people do. I'll say that. Yes. Yes. Um, and I have very little time for his shenanigans. I know, I know. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this Rebel Moon trailer? It is definitely a Zack Snyder movie uh, yes. through yes. and through. Um, and the funny thing is about Zack Snyder is I actually love his visual style. Like, yeah, he uses way too much slow motion and that's a problem. But I also just think that he is a cinematographer and it's like yeah. a it's he it shows that he knows how to light things and how to compose in images in a really, really interesting way. This is clearly to me, he wasn't able to make Star Wars, so he's making Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Which it might be great. Which is what this <laughs> Like originally was for listeners right. that don't know, like Rebel Moon was originally going to be a Star Wars film, and then Lucasfilm right. kind of went, "Nah, we're nah. good." Um, <laughs> yeah. So what you did with uh, Batman there? Um, so I, it's really hard to say, man. I I hope it's good, but it doesn't. It didn't grab me like I wanted it to upon first watch. I think that again, the visuals look great but I can't really gather too much on the story or the scope or whatever. Um, so I'll watch it. You know, I know it's going to be long as fuck. <laughs> I'm sure it's like two forty without the director's <sighs> cut, which we'll talk about. So it took me two tries to get through this trailer. <laughs> um, because this trailer is dense. Very like really dense and i was kind of just like i mean cool that it's anthony hopkins that's what the you know top comments uh on youtube want you to focus on Mm -hmm. um cool that it's anthony hopkins but like so much visually going on that i couldn't keep track of the vo Mm -hmm. and then the vo started being different people and i was like wait who are these people but there were so many people being introduced visually that i had no idea who I was supposed to, you know, they talk about Kings at one point and I'm like, I feel like I've seen four Kings so far. Yeah. Like what, um, how long does this span? Like, just like, yeah, yeah. Like I literally about halfway through was like the scope of this is insane. 
Yeah. It's so big, which like, I guess it's a Zack Snyder movie. Sure. Right. Um, but it's just like so big that I'm like, I am tired just trying to keep up of who's in <laughs> the trailer. Yeah. Um, I was relieved at the end to see that it's two movies. Yes. Um, yes. Whether or not they end up being two, like three hour movies is a whole nother question. Um, but you know, that gave me a little bit of like, all right, so this is clearly from both movies. This is not like sure. one. God help us if this is like from one and then there's a whole nother one that we haven't seen anything from. Um, which like would not be off brand. No, uh, not at all. So I was like, what the hell is this movie? And that I was reading about the um the Star Wars thing, because it is very much just a Star Wars movie. There's lightsabers um, in it. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also like I feel like it has so many different aesthetic styles. Yeah. That I'm like, what is that? Like there's at one point there's a guy in like a modern suit and a tie. Right. But in other shots, there's like, you know, regal medieval like dresses and robes and stuff like that. And, and then there's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there's like robotic armor and like, you know, robots and aliens. So I'm like, I don't know what the, the vibe I'm supposed to get. Um, but the thing I read was it, the original script was based on like a retelling of seven samurai. Oh Lord. Which is a whole lot to unpack, but that to me is like, oh, okay, here comes Zack Snyder and we got seven different stories going on here. He's going to tell us the backstory of all seven of these characters. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's what every little aesthetic is. It's like, you know, in Seven Samurai, I think they're all from like various villages around Japan. Mm-hmm. Here it's like they're going to be from like, yeah, this is from a, you know, poor robot planet. And then this right. is from like a, you know. So I see like. I can forgive the clutter a little bit more knowing that like it's telling seven stories. Sure. Um, yeah. But also like not because why the hell are you telling seven stories? Well, and also saying uh, like, Oh, it's, you know, kind of the influences clearly Kurosawa is like, don't, don't do that. Don't <laughs> make me think about Kurosawa when I'm watching your films, because like, it's not going to bode well for you. Like the influence <laughs> is clearly Zack Snyder, man. Like, exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, honest to God, this should have been a mini series. This should have been 10 episodes in a mini series. They all could have been an hour, you know, and I would have been more okay with that. But again, like it's, it's really tough because his original work is so much worse than his adapted work. Yeah. That I always have to go into something like this from him being like, mm, I've seen Army of the Dead and, you know, Sucker Punch and a lot of yeah. the movies that are just not, they don't hold any weight at all. Yeah. So, and this is him with Netflix. And I think it's weirdly enough, Zack Snyder and Netflix fit hand in hand because they're like, do what you want. Make it long. Make a director's cut. Yeah. Do this. Here's $400 million. And he's like, okay, nobody lets me do this. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, But in that vein, he's already gone on record and said there's going to be a director's cut of Rebel Moon. Yep. Which I really just don't understand. Like, motherfucker, who's telling you to cut down this movie against your will? Yeah, no one. You know what I mean? Like... And I guess it's a thing that he's done. He's done it for um, Sucker Punch and he's done it for Batman versus Superman. And obviously he did it for Justice League. Right. But like all of those, I feel like are like movies that were made. And I think he's doing one for Watchmen too, that I'm like, 
Oh. Watchmen was dense and long to begin with, but like interesting. Yeah, what could um, he have left out of that? <laughs> yeah. Um but like it's one of those that I, I like Netflix isn't saying keep this under two hours. Yeah, did no Netflix way. isn't saying like we can't we're cutting that character. Like right. clearly. You know. Um Right, exactly. <laughs> they don't care. That's what I've it's heard funny. from the uh, Russos. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I like I don't know what he's doing making a director's cut of this. I think this is him just like being really excited to just finally be able to do what he wants to do and have it not have to be tied to a box office figure or a critical success and him just being like, "You know what? I had such a great time writing and making Army of the Dead even though I fucking hated that movie." And I think he's just like, "You know what?" Let me just throw shit at the wall and let's do it. And, you know, he's kind of fallen out of the public consciousness in terms of like one of those filmmakers. A lot of people who move to Netflix are like not thought like Fincher. Nobody talks about David Fincher anymore. Like Scorsese yeah. does things for everyone. So it's different. It's Marty Scorsese. But like a lot of these filmmakers like Noah Baumbach, nobody really talks about Noah Baumbach these days. So I think he's kind of liking that anonymity to be like, yeah. I'm doing Rebel Moon. You watch it or not. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Does, if it makes money, yeah. what does that mean in the age of streaming? So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I I mean, I will watch this. I will watch uh, sure. A Child of Fire and The Scar Giver. Um, I don't know what to it. make of this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the director's cut's going to be. I'm like, dude, like, focus on another movie. Like, just. Yeah. Don't make me sit through another four-hour cut of something. He likes to do that, man. He really likes that. For so he's a very long-winded storyteller. But if he just cut the slow mo down by like ten percent, he wouldn't have to make them so long. So <laughs> I was watching. Um, I th I was watching something specific. I want to say it was uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Mm -hmm. It may have been Flash. I don't know, but like. There was like it was an action sequence and there was like a big slow-mo thing. And I was like, that would have been so horrifying and like nerve-wracking if it had just been done at full speed. Right. If Takes that attack stakes. had happened in like four seconds and all you'd seen was the damage afterward, I'd been right. like, holy fuck. But right. instead it was like, you know, going through one slow punch and then yep. one. I don't think it was. I think it was uh, Transformers. But like, sure. I'm just like, I get it. I get the aesthetic of the slow-mo stuff and it right. can be really well like used. But right. it's become so like ubiquitous in all of this pop culture stuff that I'm like, guys, just yeah. like give Move us the away. drama of the moment. Yeah. Move away. And the funny thing is, if you put that up against the first Transformers movie. There's barely any slow-mo in the first Transformers yeah. movie, but There's when like Michael Bay uses yeah. it, when Ironhide's going over that lady, mm -hmm. the impact of that is incredible because the rest That's of crazy. it's not like that. It's just, oh, God, yeah. Man. <laughs> Maybe it was Guardians. It might have been Guardians 3. This is going to drive me crazy. Well, there's slow-mo in all three of those yeah. highly VFX-heavy movies, so. Yeah, anyway. Um... So, yeah, I mean, Rebel Moon has been coming for a while. Yeah, very long time. Yeah, very long time. Um, although I don't think it's just, I don't think it's been delayed. I think they've just been taking their time with it. Right. Um, and here is a segue to, like, probably because 
the VFX are like wildly robust in that. Heavy. Um, and Zack Snyder does have a respect for VFX. Yeah, yes. I'll give him that. Um, totally. Been using them forever. Which is, which is rare uh, these days. Yeah. Um, and in that spirit, I guess, yeah. uh, it was announced today that the Walt Disney Pictures VFX workers have voted to unionize. Yes. Yeah. So this is... Yeah. I mean, we reported a few months ago, last month, I don't know, yeah. uh, when the Marvel Studios VFX artists uh, voted to unionize. Yes. Um, which I'm a little confused in that, like... Disney and Marvel. Marvel. Disney. Um, I think today was the internal uh, VFX crew at Walt Disney Pictures. Um, whereas yes, Marvel, the I think, yeah, crew. was was a little more um, well, wide, but... And Marvel has their, it was Marvel Studios. So like Marvel has its mm-hmm. own studio with its own VFX crew. And this is Disney's, and it was the super, it was 80% of the 18 in-house VFX crew members that work there full time all the time, which isn't dude, 18, holy crap. And now that's not every yeah. single person. They obviously do um, sure. commission I mean, out they for other, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but. Can you imagine if it was just like 18 guys pulling all of this and it was like zero, zero movies would come out. There's just no yeah. way. Um, yeah. But they're done. They're fed up. They're like, nah, we yep. were. And hearing some of the second, third hand stories of VFX workers and what they have to go through specifically at Marvel. I don't know about Disney, but I've also heard about Star Wars and Lucasfilm and stuff like yeah. that. And I think it's pretty industry wide at this point. Totally, especially with these insane turnarounds with these big movies that they're just, there is no representation for them in the unions, which we talked about. And that means that these studios and these executives are going to do everything in their power to get every single thing that they can out of these people for as little as humanly possible. And that's what's happening. I mean, it's rare that we get a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem where you have across the board artists and executives saying like, we told them do what you can in and and we'll just make it as good as you can. Take as long as you yeah. want to, you know? Don't overwork yourself. That doesn't happen when you have four Marvel movies and three shows a year. It just yeah. can't. <laughs> you know, they're already contracting out to 15 different post houses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I feel like 2023 is the year of the unions. For sure, totally. Like, you know, dude. That's across the board. that will be the uh, the year title in your film history books in in thirty years. Um, yes, but uh, I mean, like, it's it's like a good thing because I don't know. It's like we're building momentum to have these unions be like a powerhouse. You know what I mean? Um, right. And the more people that are in the union, the more great stuff like we can expect. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, I'm sure the studios would argue this, but I don't think VFX crews being unionized is going to, like, lead to a degradation of VFX quality. How can it? I think, if anything, it's like, oh, look, they get full night's sleep and see their families, like, they're they're going to be better inspired for work. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It might take longer. It might cost more. But, like... I mean, we've had this debate. We had this debate the, when uh, the Marvel team voted to unionize. It's like, right. yeah, you're spending two, three hundred million dollars on this. Like, you know, the, yeah, I don't know. 
You get what and I'm saying. It, it, totally. And it, it, what it is, it's not like the the asks aren't insane. It's the turnaround. It's the fact yeah. that you, we've, and it's honestly, it's because of superhero movies that this, mm-hmm. like we, it's slowed now. But in 2021 and 2022, between DC and Marvel, there was like five to eight superhero movies coming out every year. And then you yeah. now have the shows and even, you know, Warner Brothers did Peacemaker. But then there was all of the Marvel shows. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense because none of these shows were even greenlit two years ago. So that means that all of these people, all of these things had to be completed in like 20 months if yeah. that to do something that's a hundred percent CGI and has to look photo real for a big yeah. screen, like dude, like think about Quantum Mania. It's like how long must that have taken? Yeah, and it still didn't look very good. Like oh my god, <laughs> yeah. no no sh- like no shade to the artist. It's not your fault. It's yeah you know, no. I mean that's what happens <laughs> when system. you put insane deadlines on anything. It's like all right, well you know as soon as you say this has ten days to be finished and there's fifteen days of work left on it, right. Like, what you know, you it's not like you just go, oh, well, actually, you know, I, I get this all the time at my job of like, it, I'm not like setting these timelines arbitrarily. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this is the time it takes to do these work. I can't just shave five days off of that. I'm sorry. Like, right. You know, if we <laughs> do, suffer. you're going to get a sub bar product. Yeah. It's the what's it's right. the um something can be good. Something can be cheap or something can be fast, but only right. two of those at any, any one time. Right. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you uh, if you want it fast and good, it's not going to be cheap. Yes. If you want it good and cheap, it's not going to be fast. Right. You know. It's right. A, it's a triangle of project management, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm really excited to see what's going on with the VFX crews. I hope we get more articles like this over the next few weeks of just like, I'm sure mm-hmm. there are, you know, plenty of uh, VFX crews that are seeing this and starting to have a conversation and I will bet money that Yahtzee has uh, people out looking to support it. Um, And you know, like if there's another one, if there's another union out there fighting for, for people to be able to make a living in this industry, then the better off we'll be. Exactly. It's honestly just a positive across the board. And I think people are, like, I think the consensus is like, oh, not the consensus, but like from the outside, people are like, oh, well, CGI is bad. Like, we're an- like, people are anti CGI, especially yeah. movie critics. It's like, no, nobody's really anti CGI because I think the figure was like 89% of all content yeah. for TV and, and movies have CGI in them at some point. It's just, well, it was confirmed the other it- day that Oppenheimer has CG in it. Exactly. It was like 200 yeah. shots or CGI. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it just comes down to doing it right. Like, I have no issue yeah. with the volume when it looks like it does in the Fablemans. I do when it looks like it does in Quantumania. Like, that's a yeah. big fucking or problem. Flash. Or Flash. Like, that's a huge issue. So it's not an anti-CGI thing. It's just like, know when to use it and give your people enough time. You don't, yeah. you know, people weren't, I mean, I'm sure people were rushed, but like thinking about Star Wars and the amount of time that they took to make empire strikes back look Mm -hmm. that way from the Mm -hmm. paintings to the to the miniatures to the actual like going in frame by frame and blue screening out things to make laser beam like that shit took forever man and like yeah and guess what the product stands the test of time and it will be one of the greatest films of all time forever and that's what you get when you give people enough time 
to yeah. do their work, you know? <laughs> well, and like you look at the flash and it's like, oh, if God. you'd give them, given them an extra year to do oh, that, dude, like, imagine the conversation. If flash came out and we were sitting here, like the story is kind of not great. And Ezra Miller is like, not great, but like, but the visual, damn, it looked good. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy shit. Like that's like some of the best superhero CG I've seen in a long time. Like, Right. That's an entirely different conversation about that movie. Exactly. As exactly. opposed to just like, oh, look, here comes Flash microwaving a baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It really yeah. does. And just treating people like people and like their va- their work is worth what you tell them that it is. Yeah. And showing them that monetarily and in terms of their work life um kind of relationship yeah. so letting them do their best work exactly exactly yes. Whew. all right well that being said yes uh lots going on but also kind of not lots going on because everything's on strike exactly um so <laughs> that'll so that'll do it um it will i will say i guess shout out bob barker we miss you um, i know bob Rest barker dies yeah um I, I saw a tweet the other day that was like it's amazing that uh, Bob Barker got the closest to 100 without going over that he can. <laughs> that he um, possibly could. <laughs> shout out. Uh, oh, man. So let's bring it back. Uh, let's do some recommendations. How about that? Let's do it. And I love this prompt. This is one you yeah. gave to me. So um, you had said, I think it was last week, uh, you would watch something for Tuned In that... Uh, you had just kind of found right was it um yes what was a simple favor week? simple favor and this week same thing with um well you'll learn you'll learn about it untuned in yeah. this week but yeah um so the the prompt i guess we didn't say is uh a movie that you were randomly scrolling and found something to just watch which i think both of us do yeah fairly often you know where Very it's like often. i don't i don't have the the bandwidth for like a oscar nom or a epic right now like let me just right. find a quick something something exactly um so something that you found that way that you actually ended up really enjoying yeah this is a great um, prompt. yeah hey uh thanks uh do you want to go <laughs> first on this one josh uh yeah i definitely can this was tough because um I find that a lot of the movies that I just inherently like, I've I've at some point recommended at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really glad that I tag my diary entries with what streaming service that I've mm-hmm. watched it on so I can just go through and click them and just say, okay, these are the ones I saw. And then I can remember. Um, so the movie that I'm going to recommend is a classic shutter just scrolling let's see what they added this week mm-hmm. type of film that i had never heard of i didn't know anyone at the time who had even logged it on letterbox it's a movie from 1972 called wake in fright directed by uh ted kochef starring donald pleasance and i've talked about this on tuned in like long ago i think i watched this last year at some point mm-hmm. um it's an australian new wave thriller borderline horror film but not quite i'd actually you should watch this at some point i'd like to hear what you think about it um and is about a school teacher who works out in the outback in this really really rural kind of town where there's like you know 
20 kids he's out there for credit of some kind and while attempting to go away on holiday either during the summer i can't remember exactly when it was one of the school when school was off he attempts to just get away and go out of the outback but instead is stuck in this mining town called the yabba which is basically a town without laws per se and so Mm. people kind of do what they want when they want and there is some kind of sense of like there is some kind of like ruling that goes around like people understand the way that the town works but Mm -hmm. you can kind of get away with whatever you want even though there is a police force and this man you know plans to stay there for a night ends up staying there the entire break because he gets caught up in the debauchery and drinking and like the levels of depravity and self-degradation that happen Mm. when you know he's just hanging out with these basically these people from who just do whatever the hell they want at all times and it's a really really interesting fantastic kind of ahead of its time movie about the like i don't want to say like the levels that people will stoop to if given the opportunity but kind mm-hmm. of like it, you know the 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 humanity kind of leaves people if they're left to their own devices and it's this kind of like you know if you if there is a lawlessness people will treat it like a lawlessness land and mm-hmm. it's just a really interesting highly compelling highly watchable film that i will also say there's hmm. some weird animal cruelty things that happen like with some kangaroos and stuff that's upsetting but it's supposed to be upsetting so it really sure. works um and it's just weird as hell. And I thought it was great. I'm like movies from the seventies right. like this. I'm not, I don't watch all the time, but I'm glad sure. that I clicked on it because I was just like, it literally is now one of my favorite movies. Like it's just so, it's so interesting and so well yes. done and well acted and well made. And, um, yeah, it's what's one it, that is, what's it called? It's called wake in fright. Um, and I'm sure you can watch it on Tubi or whatever too. So, uh, but yeah, it's haunting and it's weird and it's like, you know, I'm kind of a nihilist, so it kind of falls right in line (laughs) with the way I think about people. So (laughs) nice, nice. So yeah, that's on Shutter. Cool. Um, well, that is very different than mine. Um, Perfect. But we're gonna roll with it. Uh, my recommendation of a movie I kind of just found and actually really enjoyed watching uh, Mm -hmm. is a film from 2019 that I watched in 2022 that I think I talked about that on this pod or on tuned in. Uh, Mm -hmm. called Missing Link. Yes. Um, it's an animated film uh, directed by Chris Butler, who That's right. you know from uh, Paranorman. Um, oh, yeah. And it's about um, an investigator of myths uh, who basically finds Bigfoot and decides to help Bigfoot get to the other get from the Pacific Northwest to the other side of the planet to the Yetis. Um like you do, uh, but course. like through <laughs> means of travel and pretending to be human, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And I like really, really enjoyed this movie. I, I remember like just kind of being like, I'm just going to put this on, you know, I think whatever it like, it'll check the box for like, yeah, I watched that a movie today kind of thing. Um, but it really pulled me in. Um, there are some like script issues with it, whatnot. Um, sure. But it's Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis. Um, That's right. In some some great voice work. It's hard to tell that it's. Uh, well, it's not hard to tell, but it's not you easy to tell that it's. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that it's Zach Galifianakis. Um, but it's like really heartful. Um, heartful, heartful, full of heart, if you yeah. will. Um, <laughs> and 
I don't know. I just, I really like it. I gave it a four star thing. Um, yeah. I think I'm a little above the curve on that one, but. Um, That's okay. Yeah. It was just fun, man. Like, you gotta love a Sasquatch movie. And it's done in like a, uh, it looks like a claymation kind of animation. Mm. Um, and I think it is, honestly. I think it's like. Yeah photographed a la like pinocchio and paranorman for that matter sure yeah, um yeah. but yeah missing link love it wait where was that where can uh, I it's on that? netflix netflix oh yeah yeah, yep. yeah netflix's animated features are actually really fucking good yeah like, across the board it's kind of astounding like klaus yeah. and uh pinocchio it's very klaus was another one i was thinking of like another one that i just kind of hit play because i was bumming around in netflix's animated yeah. listings um it's great. Which I do from time to time. <laughs> it's really great. Sometimes you need an animated movie. Exactly. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. So that'll do it. That'll bring us home. Uh, well, Josh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet on either Instagram or Letterboxd at Josh J. Fuller. And where can people find you, Willis? I can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at Willis Film. Uh, and if you want to find the pod, you can find us on Instagram and Letterboxd at Pixel Splitters. We can find all of our recommendations, including uh, Wake in Fright and Missing Link. Not a good double feature. Not a good But you should watch feature. both films. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I feel like next week we should do another, like, try and pick, Ooh. do, like, a double feature choice. Let's let's uh, choose a genre this time, though, so yeah. we're not just blindly makes, going, like... <laughs> I mean, we came so close. We did. We did. Um, but, yeah, I think we should do that again next week. I'm down. Um, I'm down. Cool. Let's do it. Cool, cool, cool. I guess we still owe the dear listeners another uh, megapixels as well. We do. We talked about that for <laughs> at this point in last week's episode. We do. It won't be next week, folks. Let me tell you that. But That's in true. the next two to three, two to three episodes, we'll find some. We'll have one. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that'll uh, that'll do it. And I guess we'll bring it back to a uh, to an end of pod. <laughs>